Before you listen to this episode of Crosspoint On Demand, I want to invite you to join us next week for our brand new series called Good, Good Father. No matter where you are with God, He wants you to know that He is your good, good Father. And through the story of Joshua and the Israelites' conquest of the Promised Land, He proved to be their good, good Father. I invite you, starting next week, August 13th, join us in person at Crosspoint Fellowship or download on demand right here through however you download your podcast, the new brand new series called Good, Good Father. Do you know that baptism was never mentioned in the Old Testament? If you, if you use your Bible app right now, I give you permission. Search NIV, ESV, HCSP. It's not found in the Old Testament. The word baptism is not found in the Old Testament, although the concept is found in the Old Testament. In one place. So, so then John the Baptist shows up on the scene, this weird guy in the desert, eating locusts and honey and wearing camel's hair skins and everything, shows up and says, you must repent and be baptized. But people, they didn't take this as weird. So in between the 400 years, in between the Old Testament closing out and the New Testament opening, opening up, something happened to where this, this interesting ritual that is baptism is no longer weird. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us that shift. So in a sense, we don't need to know, although that is a worthy research question to, to, go, to go research and figure out in biblical history and etc., that's a worthy question. But because the Bible doesn't teach us why it shifted, we don't overly have to know so so what is this ritual of baptism it's kind of odd right but where we 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 don't have one out like we don't have uh, our baptistry is a feeding trough that we keep in a storage unit and we pull it out when we need it and we, we we you know we clean it out and we might warm it up and then we dunk you underwater like it's a kind of an odd strange ritual that we've got and if you're not familiar with church you might like let's just make it fun and do it a dunk take style right you are baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. I win, right? Like, why not just do that and make it, make it, make it a little bit more fun and, and, and it's the same result, right? <laughs> Ultimately, it's the same result if anybody can throw a baseball at a target. Why do this weird ritual? Well, in a, in a sentence, in a sentence because circumcision was inconvenient. Right? Yeah, right? Like, like... Why baptism? Because of that. Like, try that for your evangelism tactic, right? I've got one more thing I need to tell you. Right? right? The, yeah, yeah. The old knocking on doors might not have worked quite as well with, 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 with that. But really, what is the deal with baptism? What's the deal with baptism? What's going on with it? We're taking a look at Colossians chapter 2. And if you are a detoxing, ritualistic Christian, this is a passage to save in the event Bible app and come back to. Because the more you get into this passage, rain on down, rain on down. We're talking about baptism, you know, not sprinkling, immersion. So that's. Colossians chapter 2, if you are a ritualistic detoxing Christian, then, then, then save this in the Bible app, 
come back to it because the more you study this, the more you will detox off of ritualism. Because baptism, even though it is a ritual, the whole idea behind baptism is actually to move away from ritualistic Christianity. So what's going on? Colossians chapter 2, start in verse 6. Follow along in the event, Bible event app. On the screen, of course, hardbound Bible. Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus, the Lord, walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, overflowing with gratitude. Be careful that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deceit based on human tradition, based on the elemental forces of the world, and not based on Christ. For the entire fullness of God's nature dwells bodily in Christ. And you have been filled by Him who is the head over every ruler and authority. The goal, the goal of baptism isn't baptism itself. The goal of baptism isn't getting dunked. That's why we just don't you know, do dunk them tanks. The goal of baptism is drawing a line in the sand and saying, I am now going to, from this day forward, walk in Jesus. The goal is to walk in Jesus. You have received Christ Jesus the Lord. Walk in Him. In our culture, what we say is this. Hear and follow Jesus. Hear and follow Jesus. Walk in Him. That's what baptism is all about. See, the thing is, is that Jesus and God isn't this out there concept, even though we can't see him. Paul goes deeper into this. He says, for the entire fullness of God's nature dwells bodily in Christ. If you're new to this church thing and wondering about God and have questions about God, look, look, look. If you want to know who God is, look at Christ. Look at the four stories of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And look at Christ and you will know who God is. He hasn't, he hasn't left it up to our imagination and He hasn't left it up to us questioning and having it out there and wondering what's going on. This is the uniqueness to Christianity. This is why I believe the Bible to be true. Not because I grew up with this stuff. It's because God makes Himself clear through a human being with, who is God with flesh on. And then the Holy Spirit comes alongside to reveal Jesus to us. But not only is it, is it that if we want to see a picture of God and the picture of God, we look at Jesus, but Paul goes on to say, and you have been filled by Him. Who is Jesus? Look, look. Jesus is fully God and Jesus fully inhabits Himself into us through the Holy Spirit. Like, let that sink in. That the same God that put the sun when we can see it out there and clouds together and this rain thing and the thunderstorm thing and all this creation stuff also dwells inside of us. Baptism isn't about getting wet. It's about drawing a line in the sand and saying, I am walking with this God. I am hearing and following this God. Look, look, those of you still wondering what's going on, like you don't need to have all the questions figured out. Why? I ain't got all the questions figured out. 
Nobody in here has got all the questions figured out. In fact, if we start thinking we have all the questions figured out, we get into ritualistic Christianity, and that is legalism. And this is what Paul is coming against. But if we're intuitive, we're saying, whoa, hold on. I'm not God. How can He live in us? Look, we can debate on what sin really is, but we all can agree this. I'm not God. So how on earth can He dwell in me? How can He do that? Moving on, Colossians chapter 2, verse 11. You were also circumcised. This is where the whole circumcision piece comes in. You're like, where did that come from? You are also circumcised in Him with a circumcision not done with hands by putting off the body of flesh in the circumcision of the Messiah. Having been buried with Him in baptism, you are also raised with Him through faith in the working of God who raised Him from the dead. And when you were dead in trespasses in this uncircumcision of your flesh, He made you alive with Him and forgave us all our trespasses. He erased the certificate of debt with its obligations that was against us and opposed to us and has taken it out of the way by nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and disgraced them publicly. He triumphed over them and by Him. I still wanted to read all of this section of Scripture. we got one more left. There's enough in here to preach an entire sermon series based on just this chapter. And I'm going to try to not do that today. Jared's not here, so I don't, I don't get his evil eyes. So. so therefore, save this in the event app, take some notes, and go study on your own to see what God has to say fully through the Scripture. But we walk in Him because of everything surrounding uh, what, what is the symbol of baptism. But in the Old Testament, that same symbol was circumcision. In the Old Testament, it's circumcision. In the New Testament, it changed to baptism. Magically, mysteriously, in that intertestimonial inter time, it all of a sudden became baptism. I believe in God's sovereignty, His grace, His mercy, and compassion that He did that. <laughs> For us guys, you're later like, what's the big deal, right? But Paul ties them together. He says, we had this flesh of sin on. On the outside of us. And when we had faith in Jesus, he cut away that sin, revealing a brand new life, and he immediately goes to baptism. I think probably going, this is going to be a bad mental image. Let's go to water. And he gives that same image in baptism. Having been buried with him in baptism. See, this is the symbol. This is the symbol. That we were standing in our life of sin. That we were dead. We were rotting away. We were destroying our own life. But we drew a line in the sand and said, I see your life, Jesus. I see your forgiveness. I see your salvation. I see your eternal life, your abundant life, your infinity life. And that's what I want. I want that. And I will do whatever it takes in my life to receive that. I don't know all of what it means but I am going to have faith in you that you will lead me to life and that you died on the cross so that I could find life. I am standing here in my sin, in my death, in my old way, and I am buried 
I am dead to that man. I am dead to that woman. And the water is a picture of God cleansing us of that old life so that we are resurrected to a brand new life. The same power, the same miracle that God used to resurrect Jesus from the dead is the same power and the same miracle God uses to resurrect all of us from the dead when we have faith in Him. I haven't seen a miracle in my life. Yes, you have if you've had faith in Him. You've had the miracle of Him moving, removing, and destroying that old man and bringing you up in a brand new life. Immersion means complete submersion. In the Greek, that's what it means. What did John the Baptist say? I baptize you in a baptism of repentance. But there is a man coming. I am unfit to tie his sandals. There is a man coming who will baptize you, immerse you in the Holy Spirit, immerse you in God Himself. Let that never get old. Let that phrase never get old. As a Southern Baptist church, Basically, our, our, our Holy Spirit theology is He exists. And we don't want to deal anymore with that. Don't want to touch that with a 10-foot pole. But Jesus said, I am going to immerse you in the Holy Spirit. I am going to submerse you in God Himself. We become ritualistic, legalistic Christians when we lose that vision. That this picture of baptism is the picture of God saying, I want to completely soak you in Myself. No matter where you've been, what you've done, Paul, Paul, the guy that is writing this, killed Christians. If God kept a list, that might be in the top ten. But Paul was completely transformed. Completely made new. And now he's writing to people saying, you can receive that same exact thing. See, last week we talked about, we talked about the sacrament of, of, of communion. And what we talked about was that, the, that sacraments mean an outward sign, an outward symbol of the inward grace that God is giving us. And, and, and communion, communion, the outward symbol, the inward grace is this. Jesus' death for our life. Jesus' death for our life. That was communion. For baptism this week, when God was showing me this a couple of weeks ago, I was ge- geeking out on it, all right? My, my pastoral research, Bible studies side of me was like, you know, like, but none of you understand that. Uh, so, baptism is our death for Jesus' life. Our death for Jesus' life. We die. We say, I am no longer wanting to be that man, that woman I once was. And so I am going to die so that I can receive the life that Jesus has for me. Our death for Jesus' life. That's the inward grace that God is giving us. And the outward symbol of the baptism is, is, is simply symbolizing that. And it is one-time ceremony, one-time drawing a line in the sand saying, I am not going to return. Now, we know that we do, right? 
like a dog to his vomit. We come back to our old life. But notice this. We talk about miracles. I've never seen a miracle. Here's one, another miracle for you. We've all returned back to, to our sin like a dog returned to his vomit. But I hope that you've experienced something different when we've, when we've done that. And when we come back to our sin and God does convict us and we repent again, it's almost like, right? The death, the destruction, the uh, the uh, that's, that keeps sticking with us before Christ, like now it's like it just rolls off of us. That's a miracle. That's Jesus working in your life. That doesn't give us excuse to sin. That is God's grace when we do sin. And those of you still struggling with Jesus in this entire thing, this is exactly what is offered to every single person. We do not receive this because we go to church. That's ritualistic. We receive this because we have had faith in Jesus that He is the way, the truth, and the life. And that when we have faith, He forgives us and washes it away. And then even though we may still sin and we do still sin, He continues to wash it away every single time. And the offer on the table to all of us is commit to hearing and following Jesus. I'm going to read this last part. Try to go through it as quickly as possible. But this last paragraph is about this ritualistic Christianity stuff. And for those of us that have been in church for a long time, man, there's going to be all kinds of what-ifs come to our mind. And it's all because we want this ritualistic stuff to keep bubbling up. And we've been trained in this for so long that, that it keeps bubbling up to the surface. Therefore, because of all of this, do not let anyone judge you in regard to food and drink or the matter of a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of what was to come, the substance that, that is the Messiah. Let no one disqualify you, insisting on, on aesthetic practices and the worship of angels, claiming access to a visionary realm and inflated without cause by his unspiritual mind. He doesn't hold onto the head from whom the whole body, nourished and held together by its ligaments and tendons, develops with growth from God. If you died with the Messiah to the elemental forces of this world, why do you live as if you still belong to this world? Why do you submit to regulations? Don't handle, don't taste, don't touch. All these regulations refer to what is destroyed by being used up. They are commands and doctrines of men. Although these have a reputation of wisdom by promoting ascetic practices, humility, and severe treatment of the body, they are not of any value in curbing self-indulgence. This is a reminder that the goal of baptism isn't doing ritualistic ceremonial stuff. The goal of baptism is walking in Jesus. And Paul says, don't let anyone judge you based on what you do or don't do. In our language, this is how we express it. How can you be a Christian if you blank? Don't let anyone judge you. Now, this isn't to have an attitude, you don't judge me, blah, blah, blah. 
This is a reminder that when we hear and follow Jesus and keep this simple principle at the forefront of who we are as people, He will never lead us astray. If we hear and follow Jesus, is He leading us towards sin? No, right? Like this is easy stuff, right? Never. And He will always lead us into the mission that He has for us. So, this chair represents my sin that I get stumbled upon. If I am here and hearing and following Jesus, He will never lead me into this chair to stumble upon it, right? I have to fight against Him to stumble over this chair. What's He going to do? He's going to lead me around it. He's going to lead me around it. Here's what we do. Whatever it is that He uses to lead me around it, we make this the gospel truth. So then we say, if you are a real Christian, you will always do exactly what God has told me to do to avoid this sin. If you are a real Christian, you will never wear yoga pants. Paul, you've got to throw them away and burn them. I know, in your house, I know, man. I know, right? <laughs> See those hairs just coming through? <laughs> You'll never listen to secular music if you're a good Christian. You'll never vote for X or Y. If you're a good Christian... You'll never drink alcohol if you're a good Christian. Keep going, right? This is, God has protected me from this sin, protected me from this sin, so therefore I am legalistically putting this on you all as a, as, as, as a rule. Now, if PA comes up to me and says, I stumble over this sin, and I go, man, brothers, same here, and this is what God's taught me. See the difference? This is not judging anymore. This is not if you are a real Christian PA. This is, I want to help you hear and follow Jesus. This is how He's shown me. Maybe this will be a help to you. And we flesh this out together. Because if we are putting in that statement, if you are a real Christian, dot, dot, dot. This is what Paul says about us. We are inflated, egotistical maniacs in our language, without cause by his unspiritual mind. He calls those who say this and use this as a tactic for, 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 for a religious uh, rituality unspiritual it appears spiritual it appears wise but what does he say at the end they are not of any value in curbing self-indulgence example a lot of guys have this have have a, have a, have a, have, a, have a principle i'm not going to meet alone in an office with a woman i'm never going to go to lunch blah 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 that in itself is not bad but if you want to commit adultery, is some rule going to stop you? No. What's going to stop you? A hear and follow relationship with Jesus. Every time will stop you. 
Jesus will never lead you into adultery. Facebook that. All right? Like, every single time. Every single time. A rule will never change our heart. Now, in our hear and follow relationship, He's going to lead us around sin. He's going to do this a specific way. But if we make that a ritual, we've lost our relationship. You can face that, Facebook that too. If we make it a ritual, we have lost the relationship. Because the goal is not to show up at church. The goal is not to do these rituals and, and boom, 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 and I'm, I'm good, and I'm a Christian, and it's all... Baptism is a symbol of us drawing a line in the sand and saying, I am not going back. And I'm going to hear it, and I'm going to commit to hearing and following Jesus. And He has washed me clean. And He will continue to wash me clean. That is grace. As we hear and follow Jesus, He'll lead us around one sin, and this sin will never, won't affect us anymore. And lo and behold, we've got another sin. This is why I don't make a big deal out of specific sins that you may expect from a pastor, especially a pastor of a Southern Baptist church. If somebody is hearing and following Jesus, God at some point in time will convict them of the sin that He wants to convict them on. I can try and play the Holy Spirit, but I am real bad at it. Real bad at it. The question is, have you committed to hearing and following Jesus? As Christians today, hang up ritualistic, legalistic Christianity and commit to hearing and following Jesus through a relationship with Him. If you're still checking this thing out, I hope at minimum this draws up questions that we want to answer. And we hope that hopefully something through today says, I want this I want to commit to hearing and following Jesus. And in the weeks ahead, we will have a time of baptism. We will have a time where we, where we pull out that feeding trough and baptize people. And we'll celebrate in that way. And if you want to be baptized, you can come and talk to me, talk to Paul, talk to Phil. We'll talk to you about that. If you want to be saved, if you want Jesus as your Savior, if you want to commit to hearing and following Him, myself, Paul, Phil, we'll all talk to you. Grab a buddy that you know and talk to them. We're going to have a time of worship. Worshiping this one that has given us life when we die to ourselves. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this time. I thank you that you have died to give us life and that you gave us the opportunity to die so that we can have your life. Help somebody here this morning recognize who you are and seek out your life through their death this morning and allow us all to commit our life to hearing and following you it's your name of Christ amen